What is going on, baseball fans? For the last time this season, I guess the season's over technically, but either way, for the last time this year, we are back on the mics. Episode 26 of season two of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. I am your host, Jordan Lazowski. I am joined by another co-host of this wonderful podcast who has done a better job than me at leading Diego Franco Carreno. Along with Christian Lloyd, a longtime member of the page, and Ethan Fisher, who is becoming a longtime member of this page. Gentlemen, how are we this evening? Sad. Vibing. We got different day. levels. Yeah, I was uh, going to say. The national. I didn't want to say straight be, uh... up sad. <laughs> no, it's been a sad, sad day. It's been sad. a morning. Oh, tomorrow's a sad, sad day. Oh, I'm going to be crying. It's, I'm not ready. I think you're not ready. <laughs> All right, I'll get it. In case you've missed the news, and we'll jump right into it here, not to just just let's rip off the band-aid, Diego. Um, we wrote this uh, podcast rundown in the afternoon, and just a few hours ago, word came out: Buster Posey is scheduled to announce his retirement right now, tomorrow. But by the time you're listening to it today, um. I don't know if anyone's going to have better words to say on it than Diego, the man himself. So uh, the floor is yours, my friend. The resident Giants fan that's the, <laughs> the only one we've had in the, what, four years I've been here? I think we've okay. had, like, a sprinkling just... <laughs> of maybe. We just got a new one, though. But, yeah. Um, man, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Like, I mean, so Buster Posey – means so much to the city of San Francisco. He came up in 20, 2010 like to be the full-time starter and that I was I was 10 years old when Buster Posey broke into the big leagues. I am now 22. I was in how, how old are you when you're ten, or what grade are you when you when you're 10? Like 4th grade, 5th, 6th, yeah. 4th grade. I've graduated college and Buster Posey's been with me the entire way. He's been there every season except for 2020, but that's like, you know, COVID and that was understandable, barely count anyway. But like it's it just hurts. He's had he's been such a big subpart of baseball, the city of San Francisco. He got three World Series rings in the, the quick span in the early 2010s and he was instrumental if not the most important piece in those, you know, those World Series runs, and I, I, I know Giants Twitter also just was heartbroken by the news. It came as a shock to pretty much everybody um, because he had one of the best seasons of his career this last season. You know, he had he batted over three hundred. He put up the most WAR amongst catchers this year. Like he was awesome this season. He was an All Star, and you know he's he's going out on top. And I can't even be mad about it because Buster Posey was everything to the city of San Francisco, everything to the game of baseball for several years. He is one of, one of, if not the best catchers in the history of the game. He's the best catcher of his generation, that's for damn sure. So it's it's hard seeing him go, but, I mean, he's got four kids, two really young daughters. Um, it's time for him to be a dad. And you can't fault him for it. He did what he could. He gave the game quite literally everything he had. And I'm going to miss the hell out of him 
Giants fans are going to miss the hell out of them. Baseball fans are going to miss the hell out of them. So, to Buster Posey, to the Posey family, uh, thank you for giving us Buster for 12 seasons. Buster, thank you for everything you did for the city, everything you did for the game. We're going to miss you. I haven't lost a favorite player of mine in a while. Um, Canerco, Paul Canerco was the last one. And so I get the feeling because it's what he means to the fan base more than anything else, more than the player he is. Um, so, so I get the feeling it's it been a little bit for me. It hurts. Um, but like you said, guy went out on top. He literally put up a five win season and said, I have nothing left to prove. I'm going to go be a dad. And that's the sort of alpha type move I can respect. <laughs> and you gotta remember when he set out 2020, it's because his two kids, see, um, him and his wife had adopted these two um, kids uh, that um, I don't remember what the exact um, situation was, but I'm pretty sure they were in like a tough situation and his family adopted him. That's why he sat out 2020 to spend time uh, with, you know, the new kids that him and his wife had adopted, you know, really kind of building that family. And he went out on top, gave this last season. He's like, I have... Uh, he has nothing left to prove. Whatever anyone had, because he, he had a couple of down years there. And this is this is his swan song. He went out on a 107-win team. Like, you're not going to top that again in your career, like, win-wise in the regular season. Yeah, the season didn't end the way you wanted to. But, I mean, it's tough to get to that point ever. So, I it's, it's a hell of a way to end your career. He had nothing left to prove. And it sucks because... Looking back on all the pictures that I saw on like people tweeting today you know, on the Twitter sphere, a baseball Twitter, a Giants Twitter in particular, um, I saw most of like the photos I'd seen. Like you can tell, like kind of looking, especially when the last day of the season they had officially clinched the West. Like the photos of him just watching like the videos and the big the, the board, like you could tell that look in your that his eye. Like this was his last, this is last um, regular season game. This is his last regular season because it. You can like you know what I'm talking about like when those players they kind of have that last moment mm-hmm. like big moment you can kind of see it in their face and you never know at the time but looking back you can tell that's what I kind of had that moment today that realization is like he knew he knew this was it for him he wasn't gonna tell anybody but he knew it and I I respect it he's he's got a family and he's he's gonna be a hell of a dad and one day he's gonna be a hell of a manager so. So the natural question is the Hall of Fame piece behind it too. Absolutely. He's a Hall of Famer. If you say otherwise, you are an absolute idiot. <laughs> it's true. It's, For, did, yeah. Now, I, I, I guess we're in agreement then that he should be Hall of Famer. I guess the two questions are: number one, will he? And number two, how long will it take? Is it a first ballot type situation? Do, let, let, let's separate separate into two things. Number one, should he be first ballot? Number two, will he be? I, I think that's the line you kind of got to draw. Should he be first ballot? Yes, he's one of the best catchers in the history of the game. That's he's a Hall of Fame cat. Like, what else do you want? Do you want to be the best catcher, like one of the best catchers in the history of baseball? Yes, that sounds like a first ballot Hall of Famer to me. Is he gonna be? Probably not, because people who vote in that kind of things typically are idiots. So it shouldn't take longer than five years. It'll be blasphemous if it takes longer than three. But I think he's the first ballot Hall of Famer, and I think most people generally agree, but I could be wrong. 
yeah, I had some people in my mentions today saying uh, Jorge Posada didn't make it, so he wasn't going to make it, which God, I... had me taken aback. <laughs> taken aback. I saw that today, too, and I was upset. I was um, grieving already. <laughs> yeah, he 55 war in basically 11 seasons, 10 and a half full seasons. Um, he, He's one of the best catchers of all time. There's no chance he's not. And, like, not only that, but he was so great outside of that. Like, everyone, all the reporters, he was baseball's golden boy. I mean, they changed the catching rule. Something like, I, to this day, hate to my core, the Buster Posey rule, 3.14. It's because he was baseball's golden boy. And, yeah, he's first ballot Hall of Famer. I think um, the voters think that as well. I, he's going to be first ballot. Yeah, I'm pretty much in line with them, too. I think it would have been a little more interesting if Yadier Molina also retired at the same time. So we get to see the, the <laughs> contrast of both of them were on the ballot at the same time. But I ultimately, I think they'll both get in. Um, I have a little thing on Posey here also. Um, I saw a tweet today from Chris Quick from Yahoo Sports. He said that um, since 2009, which was Posey, the year Posey debuted, mm-hmm. catchers have a 242, 311, 389 slash. And Posey just by himself is at 302, 372, 460 for his career. Insane. So, not even close. Being that much better than all the rest of your competition at your position is yep. absolutely insane. On top of him being just a monster defensively, also everything else, he was he was the whole package. Even even for all those people who are like like oh it's the intangible, the things that numbers can't measure, he has all of that too. He does. Like, mm-hmm. come on, mind. like what are we talking about? What are we talking about? Anyway, <laughs> anyway. I, I figured they would elicit some strong emotions. I, I saw yeah. some stupid people in my time. It's been a long just, day. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's a good question to ask because, you know, we've long debated. I mean, we do this Hall of Fame stuff every offseason, and, and it seems like every offseason we all agree on things that those who get the votes don't agree on. So I, I think it's a worthy question, but I look forward Please. to the debate in five years. I, I really do because, I mean, for a long time it was – Best catcher in baseball. At least his name's mentioned it all the time. And it's an honor for him to hopefully receive sometime soon. So, Also, you said, I can't wait for the date in five years. That was like the exact thing that uh, thing Bob Nightingale tweeted earlier. So <laughs> I don't know what to say you know, about you there, Laz. But I, I get excited over some healthy debate because you, you, you get to decide uh, – you get to decide who you like to get your opinions from. Once no, that's that's fair. That makes sense. And also, <laughs> like when this news goes like live tomorrow, I know I'm going to be using the hashtag Thank28 because I think it's clever. If anyone else wants to use it, feel free because I think it's it's good. It makes sense. It rhymes. So I can put it in the uh, tweet for when we publish this podcast in the morning. So there you go. I guess any final thoughts on Buster Posey from anybody? Sad. <laughs> that's my final thought <laughs> so then let's jump into around the league in 60 seconds i think the big news is still which we still haven't gotten to 10 minutes in the atlanta braves won the world series we will get right. to that and much more yes believe it or not that happened um we will get into that more in seventh inning stretch but as we do always give each of our panelists here the chance to cover anything they might really want to call out besides i guess buster posey We'll start with uh, Christian, if there's anything you uh, want to cover else. Yeah. Actually, this is going to be about Buster Posey. Uh, I just wanted to get my own Good. little segment for it. Um, <laughs> Do it. 
I started catching at a as at ten years old. I I debuted like my first ever jersey had the number twenty eight on it when I was seven in the Care Youth League way back when. Uh, number twenty eight's been ingrained in my life. Jose Molina, as a result of that, was my one of my favorite players. Um, I was taking batting practice and I broke the catcher's finger, so I had to catch. I hated catching for the first few years, and then Buster Posey came up with number twenty eight catching, and he was amazing and. My knees might hate Buster Posey more than anything else, but I, there's nothing in my life. Like, Buster Posey is just one of the greatest influences I've had, personally. Love it. Ethan? I wish I had a really sentimental story about Buster Posey impacting my life, but I don't, I don't really have one. <laughs> Most of what I took away from this week was either Buster Posey or World Series stuff, stuff we're about to talk about. Great. Easy enough to me. Diego, your last chance. I won't say it's your last chance, but... <laughs> you think I won't mention Buster Posey again on this, this, like, this podcast? You're wrong there, bucko. But, you know, um, I, I don't even doubt it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but, only other thing, like, the offseason's already started. Like, yeah. the trades being made, calls being taken, free agents starting to, you know, figure out where they want to go. I'm ready for it. The stove is already warm. Let's get it hot. Let's get it going. Let's see how long it stays warm for. We'll jump into seventh inning stretch now. We've got a little bit of everything. We've got some World Series talk. As Diego mentioned, the offseason has already started as well. And some teams have been making some moves in terms of personnel, and we'll get to that as well. Let's start with the biggest news story outside of Buster Posey. In case you missed it, which I don't know how you would have, on Tuesday night, another baseball season came to a close with the Atlanta Braves. Shocking everyone by defeating the Houston Astros in six games. They took it on Houston's home turf. We'll start with Christian. How surprising was this result to you? What were some of the keys in the series victory for Atlanta? And could this World Series victory change how we see some teams approach the trade deadline? Um, so yeah, this was an absolute surprise to me simply because like throughout sports history, Atlanta has been a laughing stock in the postseason. And uh, I made a promise with John Principe. I was not going to believe the Atlanta Braves were the world series champions until they were holding it beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I was still convinced Astros were going to win. Um, how did they win? Like the keys, they hit more home runs a lot more home runs, nine more home runs to be in fact. And that's how you win baseball games. There's no other way about it. It's They just, they pummeled on the Astros pitching when it mattered. What's your opinion on foregoing home runs to hit 300 instead? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're a loser if you want to do that. So. <laughs> You know, I had to ask. It remains a topic of conversation, believe it or not, so I had to ask. Yeah, if you're sacrificing all of your power to try to hit for average, you're not being very selfish and foolish. Ethan, your thoughts? Yeah, I was definitely surprised as well. Um, I believe it was here on the podcast where I said right before the trade deadline that I thought the Braves should sell. So I will humbly take my L. Um, the Braves were already not in great health early on, like even before the Ronald Acuna injury. And they weren't even playing that well when he was there anyway. 
So I don't really think anybody saw this coming. Um, they were 44 and 44. They were right at 500 on July 10th, which was the day when Acuna tore his ACL. And they didn't even reach, they didn't surpass 500 at any point until August 6th. They were at or under 500 the entire rest of the season before that point. Um, but they were just a really well-oiled machine, not just in the World Series, but all throughout the playoffs. They were underdogs in every series that they played in. Um, the Brewers, they, they they scored just enough runs to beat that really, really good pitching staff the Brewers have. Um, they beat the Dodgers in the championship series despite the fact that the Dodgers won 18 more games in the regular season. 18 more games, which is just a ridiculous difference. And then uh, the Astros, 18. Okay, thank you. <laughs> yep. And then uh, the Astros, it was their third World Series appearance in five years, and the Braves still knocked them off. Um, like Christian said, the home runs were obviously a huge factor. They out-homered the Astros 11-2, to and Jose Altuve had both of the Astros' home runs, and Jorge Soler hit three all by himself. So that was a that was a huge play there. Um the starting pitching in spots, too, was really key. Uh, Ian Anderson had the five no-hit innings in Game 3. Uh, Max Fried, obviously, was dominant in the clincher. And then Charlie Morton, even though he only went, what, two and a third or whatever, you got to give him props for mowing him down on a broken leg. Um, and then the relief pitching also was really good for them, uh, specifically Tyler Matzik, Will Smith, uh, Luke Jackson, Chris Martin. All those guys pitched really well in the World Series. And one of the other big keys for them was shutting down Jordan Alvarez, who hit over 500 and had an OPS over 1,400 in the ALCS against the Red Sox. And he went two for 20 with six strikeouts in the World Series. So they completely shut him down. Um, in regards to the, uh, the philosophy at the trade deadline, I do think that this will inspire more teams who are you know more on the bubble to go for it. I think a lot of the reason why the Braves did, though, was because of how poor the NL East was outside of them. Even the Mets, they were five games behind the Mets, and they hadn't pulled away yet. And I think that's one of the big reasons why they decided to go for it. And obviously it worked. But, yeah, I think that's. I think this will inspire other people to do that in the future also. Diego, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so, like, everyone, you know, it's – no one expected the Braves to be here. Uh, it's not where a single, even Braves fans would have told you, like, you know, back, like when um, Acuna tore his ACL, I was like, oh, we're done. There's no chance. Uh, but all it takes is one hell of a run. Ask the Cardinals on their way to the postseason. All it takes is one hell of a run. And I, I think that same podcast um, earlier this season, Ethan had mentioned that he said the Braves should sell. I said the Braves should buy. <laughs> I'm like, they can still go for it. That division's garbage. And they did, and look where it got them. They won it all, baby. But it never – it doesn't have to be the best the best team. It is that's usually not the case. It's rare, I think, the best team wins it all in baseball. That's just baseball. Like, the, the hot team won – the team that got hot at the right time won. Like, you know, that's just kind of how it goes. The Braves were ridiculously hot getting going into that World Series. They got pretty hot, you know, at the right time. Like Solaire, um, Jock, uh, Adam Duvall, those um, big acquisitions at the trade deadline, they got a hot at the right time, got them into the postseason, and once you're there, anything can happen. That's just kind of how it goes. And, you know, generally, a good strategy for winning baseball games, scoring more runs than your opponent, that's what they did. 
seems pretty effective to me. Um, but some uh, keys to them, you know, doing that was just, like I said, just being hot at the right time. The outfielders throughout the entire playoffs were incredible for them. Those off-season acquisitions really helped them, you know, get past those teams who were viewed as, like, those pitching juggernauts or, like, those teams that were not supposed to lose, like the Dodgers. Uh, Like, it wasn't probable by any means, but it's fun. It's chaotic. We love chaos. We love fun, and we hate the Dodgers. That's (laughs) ain't that the truth? That is (laughs) that's how things should be, and I think that's just like some of the things. And that team just meshed well. Like the personalities Mm -hmm. of that team, I think, was a big part of them having so much success. I think that was a big part of those teams that were successful this past season. Like uh, take the Giants for example, 107 wins. You didn't have a, any real big, big superstars by any means, but they meshed in just the perfect way to do as well as they did. And so, uh, do I see this, you know, uh, changing how teams approach a trade deadline? Absolutely. I mean, if your team, you forget about how many wins you have. How close are you in your division race, in your wild card race? Mm-hmm. How many games back are you when it matters, when you need to get better, and there are obvious holes to fill? That's what the Braves did. They did it perfectly, and they they won the World Series. That's really all it comes down to. They they came out on top of a year that saw some of the craziest times, some of the crazy, most crazy talented teams you'll ever see, and some of the teams that just had no business being as good as they did. And I think one key that I left off was um, <clears throat> Freddie Freeman Magic. He deserved it. You know, it 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 happened for him. He did it for Charlie. Charlie Freeman's one of the cutest kids I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, <laughs> Agreed. To do it for Charlie Freeman, if anything. And it was awesome to see him make that final out. And that's just that's just baseball. And baseball's awesome. So, the one thing I hate the, 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 the one thing I hate the most is, oh, the best team didn't win. It's like, have you ever they watched baseball do. before? I, I, there have been 15 that, unique World Series winners since 2001. 15 unique yeah. different World Series winners. You can't say that right. about any other sport. Exactly. And that's, that's what makes crazy. it great. It's like if you get something different consistently, that makes the sport more fun. They're the mm. best team, you determined the best team when you played 162. You determined the World Series winner by playing an extra 20 games or so. Like, <laughs> like you, you know what you're getting yourself into when you sign up for that. And the I, most I, talented I, team this year didn't even win their division. Yeah. I, yeah. I think. It's frustrating when there's articles written about, oh, we need to change it because the best team didn't win. It's like, that's that's the point. That's what makes it fun. Get over yourselves. Anyhow. Inning two, fact or fiction. Now, before I announce this, like, know that a lot of my questions that I write here are inspired by what I read on my timeline. This is not... You're this saying is, it's your personal beliefs? I Exactly. This is not me saying these are my personal beliefs. These questions are often inspired by what I see. Keep that in mind. Fact or fiction. The Braves winning the World Series was a, quote, triumph for baseball purity over the analytics craze of 2021 and previous. <sighs> I hate this question. Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> you wrote it, so... 
<laughs> and I wrote it too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm leaning towards fiction. I that isn't really something that you know was really on my mind much in regards to this World Series. Um, it definitely isn't the same as last year when it was the Dodgers and the Rays, and there was just such a huge contrast there where you know one team has tripled the payroll of the other team, and they just it's just two completely different teams who operate two completely different ways. Um, yeah, it definitely didn't feel like that at all, even though the Astros, I know, are still one of the more analytically inclined teams. It still felt like, you know, they earned their way to the World Series, whereas, you know, with the Rays last year, a lot of people didn't feel that way. Um, I would say, though, that the biggest win for the baseball purists was Zach Granke going two for three at the plate <laughs> and being used off the bench to pitch it. I think that was the biggest win for the baseball purists. I... I kind of agree with that one. Christian? No, is this a is this a win for baseball peers? It's absolutely not. Let let's uh, set some facts real quick. Seventy two percent of the Braves runs scored in the World Series were via the home run. Seventy two percent. All right, no no baseball and uh, purist wants that. They thirty percent. They want three hundred averages. The Braves shifted versus every single left-handed hitter. Every single one had a shift on them. The Braves are really good at shifting. That is not a baseball purist take. The Braves used two different bullpen games in the World Series. Has any baseball purist ever, like, remotely wanted that? No. This was an absolute, like, laugh in the face, a mockery of any baseball purist. It's all um, Alex Rodriguez taking pride in this. <laughs> uh, for Brian Snicker, and it's they've they've got it all wrong. Brian Snicker might be a boomer in the sense that he doesn't like um, showboating or bat flipping, and he's a loser for that. But analytically inclined, the Braves and Brian Snicker are awesome. They are very analytical, and it should just yeah, baseball purists can weep. My favorite was uh, Alex Rodriguez had himself a he had himself a playoff series. I. <laughs> I have never seen one person get consistently ratioed as much as he did for, for quite some time. Do you follow Bob Nightingale? Like, I, I don't know. No, I do not. Yes. Do, you, do I? To your point, yes, I, I see where you're going at the same time. Yeah. It was like tweet after tweet after tweet. Anywho, Diego, oh, your man. thoughts. Yeah, I just A-Rod's an idiot. It's so funny. But um, also sad because that's what MLB is promoting with the bunch of idiots there at the top. Anyway, um, uh, do I think uh, this is a win for the uh, old school whatever BS you want to call it? Absolutely not. Like, like Christian said, like if anything, it's a win for analytics. Like that's uh, Christian had already mentioned a big bulk of the things like the shifting, the home runs. Like those are things you do when you're an analytically inclined team. Right, you want the launch angle. You want everything. You want to optimize the launch angle. Launch angle is a thing for every every batter. Mm -hmm. People seem to forget launch angle is just a thing that has always existed in the game. We just now know how to manipulate and evaluate it. Mm -hmm. And so, Ted Williams was talking about launch angle back in the day. Exactly. It's literally just math. It's literally just the existence of things. Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, I wanted like kind of shift that idea of like anti analytics. And that's why that's BS. By the three major acquisitions they made um, for the Braves made for um, this run in Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, and Eddie Rosario. 
So um, they have these guys, and the only one I would call an old school kind of guy that they acquired would be Eddie Rosario. That being just, um, just because, you know, he's just like, he doesn't strike out a lot. He uh, tries to make contact. He's not exactly a power hitter of any sort. Plays a good defense and all that. Actually, he doesn't play that great of a defense, but like people yeah. like to say that because <laughs> they think he, he played a good defense test. in that postseason. He did. He did, he but there. not like before that. So it was kind of surprising. Yeah, no. Yeah. Anyway, but he passes the eye test, right? Uh-huh. And he doesn't strike out a lot, right? Uh, he doesn't swing and miss a whole lot. But the thing is, when he was acquired about that time is when he was starting to turn his season around, as in he was trying to make contact more consistently. Um, the analytical minds of the Braves front office and people looking to acquire uh, players saw that and like, hey, this guy has made in change in approach at the plate coming from Cleveland, which is a very analytically inclined ball club. And so he's going to bring that to change, you know, not necessarily bring it over, but keep what he's doing and continue to progress. And he skyrocketed in like what he, his performance when he got to Atlanta, then you move on to Adam Duvall. He had a 90, he was 92nd percentile in barrel percentage. He was making good contact. Like he was hitting the ball hard, 70 percentile and hard hit percentage. Uh, he was doing the right things when you look at it at an analytical side of things. Like those are the things you want because if he's making consistent hard contact, barreling the ball up consistently, that's going to result in hits. It's going to result in home runs. That's going to result in the things you want out of your outfielders. Plus, he played a great defense. Duvall's a great defensive outfielder, no matter what you think he is. Um, his OAA was 88th percentile. Like, outfield jump was 69th, nice percentile. And <laughs> people don't realize that he played such like good defense because his eye test isn't fantastic. But he plays a good defense. And then when you go to Solaire, same thing. Uh, not, not the defense. He's bad at defense. But the, um, yeah. the barrel percentage is up there, 82nd percent, uh, percentile, hard hit, 79th percentile, Average exit velocity, 83rd percentile. x 79th percentile. 70% walk percentage, like 78th percentile walk percentage. He has all of those analytical traits that you want in a guy you're going to go and acquire the deadline. And if you think for a second that the front office of the Braves didn't know this, you're ignorant, you're a fool, you're an idiot. Like, what are we talking about? Like, of course they know these numbers. They saw these things. They're like, yes, that's who we want. They're hitting the ball. That's going to be hits. That's going to result in what we want. And if you deny that in any sort of way, you you just want to be mad about something that you don't understand. Like, it's not that hard. Just learn a little bit, please. It'll it's make math. it'll make everything so much. It's just math. <laughs> it'll make everything so much better. I promise you. Learning the little intricacies of advanced statistics and analytics make baseball a whole hell of a lot more enjoyable. And if you don't think so, like, that's fine. Enjoy the baseball you can. Just don't tell me that I'm wrong because numbers don't lie. So It's just math. That's what I like to say. It's just it's, math. It doesn't hate you. It's it, it's just math. Like it's, It is. It's that simple. But, no, it, it's – there's been plenty of discourse around this, and I think you – 
both men or actually all three of you mentioned surrounding the bullpens and some of the bullpen games that kind of leads perfectly into inning three here the postseason has once again inspired discussions surrounding starting pitching that in an article by ken rosenthal calls for the return of the starting pitcher basically looking to implement rules um to Lengthen starting pitcher out. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to say. Gotcha. Yes, but essentially it comes down to lengthening the uh, starting pitching. So, we'll start with, who haven't we started with? Diego. We'll start with Diego. How legitimate are the concerns over the amount of short outings we saw by pitchers in the, or starting pitchers in the playoffs? And I guess what's with all this pushback as the game has evolved? Um, I want to start out with this. Ken Rosenthal is an idiot. Um, I'm coming for violence today. That's just where I, I'm I was at like, now. Man, this is just <laughs> this is where I'm at in my day now. Um, yeah, Ken Rosenthal is a babbling idiot who knows nothing about baseball. So is anyone who really works for like really any of them. Even MLB Network, most of them don't know what they're talking about. Um, ESPN especially, they're awful with it. Uh, either way, um, there's nothing wrong with short starting pitcher outings. If anything, it's better. Because what people fail to realize, especially idiots like Ken Rosenthal, is the health of the players is ultimately the most important thing. I think we can all agree on that. I think most people would agree with that. But Ken Rosenthal doesn't think it's right. It's not fun to watch seven relievers throw out of the bullpen. That's not how baseball's supposed to be played. And you're just an idiot. That's like all – it's frustrating because you have all these major like outlets that cover sports – and they just want to be mad about something because baseball is not the way it was when they watched it when they were, like, seven years old. Like, and that's how it is. Sure, starting pitching is great. Starting pitching is awesome. If you don't have good starting pitching, you're not getting to the postseason. And we all know that. Good starting pitching will get you to that postseason. But once you you know there's a finite amount of games, especially if you don't win those games, you get less and less games – you're who cares about how long your starter goes? Like your starter can go two and a third innings, and your bullpen comes in and throws a shutout the rest of the way. I'd call that a pretty nice game, right? Kind of exactly what happened with the Charlie Morton outing. That's exactly what happened, right? And no one complained about that because Charlie Morton left with an injury, which was awful for that to happen. Um, but no one complained about that bullpen coming in. And being locked down, it was celebrated because of the circumstance. And so if it happens because um, – uh, who started game one for the Astros? Was it Irkwitty or uh, Framber? I think Framber. Yeah, Framber. Framber. Yeah, yeah. He went two and a thirds because he was bad. And you saw no one bat an eye about it, right? It didn't make any – didn't get garner any attention because – it's uh, mostly because it was overshadowed by Morton. But because they, these major media outlets will pick and choose when they want to be upset about these bullpen games, when they want to be upset about starting pitchers not going very many innings. And honestly, just making the best move for your team is all that matters. Like, get your team a win. A win's a win. In the postseason, a win's a win. That's that's ultimately what matters. Who cares about having a 752 ERA in the World Series if your team wins wins the World Series? Right, like I'm sure that guy will get over it, 
because he's got a ring. And it's crazy <laughs> to me that the return of the starting pitching, it, it never left. It never left. It's just the health and safety of guys ultimately became a priority, and players know that. But these media don't, and it's fine. Also, only one closer had more than one save this postseason. I want to throw that out there. And closers also a thing. Like these guys in the big media, they like closers because that's an established role and saves are important. Only one guy had more than one. That's it. You're just going for blood. That's fine. I'm yeah. Gonna... I've chose violence today. <clears throat> I'm fine with that. Christian, your thoughts? Um, Well, I don't necessarily disagree with Ken Rosenthal. I think bullpen sure. games are boring. Uh, the runtime of bullpen games are four hours or longer. It's I don't I don't find it enjoyable. I um when there's two outs and they bring in a new guy, no one on base. That's a three minute commercial. You get one out, that's three minutes more commercial. I hate it. I've always hated it. Um, and I so I am fully in agreement that uh baseball should try to go back to that. Now, can you? That's hard because relievers are becoming better and better and better, and baseball is just getting smarter. Um. There's a way to change it. There's You're only allowed to have 13 pitchers on the 26-man roster. I think you should go down to 11 pitchers only, and that would be a lot better. Uh, once pitch clocks come in, too, um, <clears throat> it will shorten down the runtime, but just minimizing the amount of relievers the team can utilize within a game uh, will just make baseball flow better. Um I, like, I understand every advantage. I'm an analytical person. I understand, like, you don't want to have your pitchers in three times through. I get that. Uh, but bullpen, bullpen games are boring. They just they run too long. Um, they're walk-heavy. They're strikeout-heavy. It's not it, – it is not fun to watch for me, um, like, really at all for the most part. I was just – it got really boring this postseason. I, uh, there was not too many games where I was just jumping out of my seat in excitement every single time. A lot, like especially in the World Series, uh, Game Five was great. It was close scoring throughout the entire game. Everything else, it was done by the third inning, and the bullpens were already in. And I had very little enjoyment with this. Uh, so I, I do see Ken Rosenthal's points. I understand, like it's harder to it's harder to just say that now uh, because relievers are as good as they are. And yeah, I. I wish starting pitchers come back. Baseball should market starting pitchers like football markets quarterbacks. I it's pitching is the heaviest part of this game right now, and yeah, it's marketing's bad. Everything's bad about it right now. So yeah, I do agree with Ken Rosenthal. Interesting, Ethan, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm definitely um, more in the middle of those two. I'm going to be a little more gentle than Diego was, though. Yeah, there definitely are legitimate concerns on both sides, um, but a lot of the evolution is solely due to the fact that guys just throw harder now. When starting pitchers consistently threw seven innings or eight innings every time, it was like if he, if a pitcher was able to throw ninety five, that was that like that was impressive and that was eye popping. And now we have teams whose entire bullpens can like casually pump 97, 98. It's an entirely different game now. And uh, Ken Rosenthal is right in that um, MLB can better market itself by having starting pitchers going deeper in the games and that the starting pitchers, you know, a lot of them generally are, you know, the bigger name guys that people, you know, deliberately want to go see. Um, 
like there isn't a Yankees fan alive who would want to go to a game because Garrett Cole's pitching that day and then be happy to see him get pulled in the fourth inning and then have to watch, you know, three innings of Nick Nelson. Like that's nobody wants to see that. Um, so I think there will be a push in um, in the new CBA negotiations to have incentives to leave starting pitchers in longer. And he mentioned like what Christian said with the roster limits, having, you know, 11 or 12 pitchers on your active roster or the, the DH hook where we have the universal DH, but when you lose your starting pitcher, you also lose your designated hitter. Um, I could see both of those. And I think those would definitely, you know, make managers want to leave their uh, starters in longer. But like Diego said, ultimately the most important thing is player health. And I think that if we do, you know, implement all these new rules where starters have to pitch longer, and then we see a wave of injuries because guys, you know, are accustomed to throwing four or five innings and are being pushed to throw seven. I think that's a net negative for the game for sure. I uh, I want to interject just on that last point with um, pitchers' health. The Tampa Bay Rays and the way they use their pitchers, they have the most injuries with their pitching staff every single season. Uh, using the bullpen the way they do. Um, if you were to revert it, go back to starters stretching out, I think you would see a significant decrease and not an increase of injuries uh, because it's sporadic instances of when they're being used rather than having set schedules and knowing, you know. Uh, that, that's, that's I mean, that's just because of the way they actually use them. Like, this, like the sporadic uh, nature of it is definitely the issue. I think having a more like kind of set way of doing it especially if you're going to do it like the Rays do, would definitely benefit. But also, like, it's – if there's a middle ground there somewhere, I'm just not sure where it is, but I'm sure someone does. So, everyone will be found soon enough. Hopefully. I'll be honest. I started on the Diego Spectrum side of things, and I landed more towards the uh, middle between Christian and Ethan. So, I don't know. I think it's – my tendency is just to get mad because I feel like not enough baseball writers put out yeah. – positive things in the first place yeah Um, that is true there's too many people who hate baseball i like broadcasters there needs to be people who are loving baseball now and how it's played now and so that's seeing all these articles right and that's why i think the natural tendency is to be like oh well you just hate it i can't believe you're writing this stuff it's like to an extent he's correct Mm -hmm. and at the same time it's like well you can also word it a little bit differently. It's not like this dire panic, this sport sucks because of this. It's like, hey, we have a legitimate thing where it's not fun. And we have a legitimate case where we can probably do something about it and still keep the analytical part of the game. Like, let's let the game keep naturally evolving. Um, I think you're even seeing some of that, which like the amount of stolen bases that occurred in the playoffs. Like some of the game, the game's just going to naturally evolve. Everyone's looking for that market inefficiency. And it's circling back to, well, now nobody was stealing bases, so now let's figure out how to steal bases again. It's all just, the game's going to be very cyclical in nature. Absolutely. And that's why it's like, if starting pitching is currently a concern, let's word it as a concern and see what happens. Let's not say, oh, you need to return the glory of the start. Like, how, how you write about a problem is important to me. And that's just my thought on that. I agree. Not wrong. Also, the day this comes out, um, if you want your free tacos from Taco Bell from your uh, Steel Base Steel Taco, <laughs> that's tomorrow or today. When this comes out, it's the day, same day. Just saying. Shout out Taco Bell. Get your tacos. Let's I believe jump. it's online or in-app only, by the way. You can't just walk in and ask for it. 
Wait, really? I think so. Uh, I could no, be they said you can walk in stores. Did they? Okay. Yeah. I was I saw Thanks. misinformation on MLB.com. <laughs> Interesting. I was going to say, if that's the thing, I'm like, that seems odd. But at least it isn't. So. Well, as we wrap up the uh, 2021 regular season and postseason, congratulations to the Atlanta Braves. I don't think many people picked you to win. Um, I, if you honestly did, like at the beginning of the season, I think the Braves are the White Sox. Fuck did you actually? Yeah, it's on my Twitter. I tweet, quote tweeted a couple All right. days ago. All right, yeah. mad respect for that because I, I'm I think the White sure. Sox were good is uh not to take for sure. Everything <laughs> no, else was wrong, no. but the Braves winning the World Series was the only thing that was like correct. That's a shame. <laughs> we're doing so <laughs> well too. That's, That's a shame. <laughs> Yeah, we don't talk about that. I'm still in mourning. Anywho, let's jump to the postseason because it got started early for once. Um, Yeah. What did I say? Postseason. Postseason descended. Postseason descended. Silly. Offseason just got started very early. Um, For the first time in what feels like a long time, the Tigers and Reds christened the offseason Wednesday afternoon, agreeing to swap Tucker Barnhart, the catcher. And Nick Quintana, the minor league second baseman, in the first move of the winter. We will start with, oh, we have, oh, we do have an American League guy. Perfect. We do have Christian on. We'll start with him. Oh, yeah. What's the benefit of this move? From, <laughs> what's, what's the benefit of the move for oh, both yeah. teams? <laughs> what's the benefit of the move for both teams? And does this send any messages about the directions, or the direction of the Reds in particular? Um, so the benefit of both teams for the Tigers, they have a really young pitching staff and they were being caught by Wilson Ramos last year. He's yeah. not a catcher. You'd be better off having a backstop behind you. Uh, so having a positive defensive catcher is really good for the pitching core and just for the Tigers as a whole. Uh, I was talking with Scott among catchers with a thousand innings caught and 700 plate appearances since 2019. Tucker Barnhart is eighth in framing runs on fan graphs. Seven in defensive runs saved and 24th in WRC plus. Is that only 84 WRC plus? But the league average for catchers is about 87 to 89. So if you're right around there and you're a plus defensive catcher, you're a good catcher. So it's a really good get for the Detroit Tigers. What did the Cincinnati Reds get out of this? Nick Quintana. Nick Quintana is going into his age 25 season. He has not gotten past rookie ball and he hit below the Mendoza line this season. Only thing the Cincinnati Reds got out of this was $7.5 million that they're sending to Detroit. It's a horrible trade for Cincinnati, and for the second straight year, they just look like a laughingstock during the trades. That's the message that they're sending to everyone else is, hey, we suck. We don't know what we're going to do. Laugh at us. We, need to, we deserve it. And, yeah. I didn't even initially laugh at him. But... <laughs> Let's jump to the other side of the spectrum. The NL Central fan here. Ethan, your thoughts. Yeah, um, I'll just talk about the Tigers real briefly because Christian basically nailed everything I was going to say about it. Um, with the big three in the Tigers rotation with my Scooble and Manning, they're all 25 or younger. So having a catcher who's not just above average, he's well above average in basically every aspect of his game defensively, I think that's going to work wonders for them. Um, basically anything the Tigers can do to make their – you know, young pitchers' lives easier, they're going to do it. And it's going to be a lot 
easier for them when Carlos Correa is also playing shortstop. Um, but we'll oh. we'll touch on that later. I'm sorry. <laughs> I um, might have to take away <laughs> points. We'll figure this out in a little bit. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um, but in um, in regards to the Reds, um, general manager Nick Crawl gave a pretty uninspiring statement earlier where he talked about, you know, allocating payroll and focusing on scouting and developing players, stuff that I'm accustomed to as a Pirates fan (laughs) is the kind of stuff that he's spewing as the Reds general manager. Um, So I I think that's a pretty good indicator of how the offseason is going to go for the Reds. Um, It looks like Nick Castellanos is going to opt out of his contract. So that's a lot of money off the books. Mike Moustakis is on a really bad contract and he was dreadful last year. So I'm sure they're going to be desperate to try to get his contract off to anybody who's dumb enough to take it. Um, and those aren't the only two names either. There's a plethora of guys who could be going from Cincinnati. Um, I don't think Barnhart in particular is too big of a move, like too big of a, a detriment to them because they already have another catcher in Tyler Stevenson who they really like a lot and is a lot younger. Um, so I don't think Barnhart – um, in and of itself is a really bad move for them. I just think that's the first domino that's going to lead uh-huh. to much more things to come for the Reds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Diego, any other thoughts on this one? Um, yeah, I mean, mostly what well, I mean, I think these two hit like hit score on the head. Um, I love the move for both sides, actually. Um, a lot more for the Tigers, mostly because because what Christian has mentioned, he's a great defensive catcher, right? Um, with the young arms that they have, that's only going to help their development, help their transition to the big leagues, and in the couple of them already there, but like kind of further that like them setting their um, their presence in the big leagues again, their footing. It's only going to help that, and you know, grow their confidence. And I think it's a fantastic move um, for the Tigers, especially because they do have a prospect um, in Dylan Dingler. That is set to he needs about a year, uh, another year in the minors. And look at that, Tucker Barnhart, one year contract crazy. Wow, but um, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, um, it's this is a a really good, like, kind of transition guy, I think, especially with those young arms with that great defensive uh, catching ability that he has. And on the red side of things, um, they really like Tyler Stevenson. Tyler Stevenson had a pretty good year. If correctly, I didn't fact check that, but I feel like he had a good year. I and that I saw. This is very loosely, but I know the Reds like him a lot. And Barn, uh, like Tucker Barnhart, didn't really have much left to do in Cincinnati. Um, sure, he was drafted by the organization. He was a Gold Glove. I think he was an All Star um, at the Reds for the Reds at one point. Uh, but I mean, Detroit's going to be a fun team next year. Uh, I think it's a good move for them. They're going to only be better with this acquisition. Um, and it's exciting. So that's really all I got. Dallas Stevenson was a two win catcher in 400 plate appearances. So I'll allow the, he had a good season statement. He had a fine (laughs) season. It's the red. That's good by red standards. Okay. Like, come on. What are we talking about? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. But yeah, I think it, you guys nailed it. It's very much so, hey, Tigers are ready to compete. They're going to need that pitching staff to grow in order to do so. I think the Reds are like, all right, it might be time to uh, 
retool a little bit. I, it'll be curious to see if they do anything with that pitching staff. Guys like Castillo might be on the move. Um, Sonny Gray. I think if because he's only got one year plus his opt out or his option year, excuse me, I think he might be uh, the first to go. Truthfully, I mean, he's a cheap um, contract too. Oh yeah, it's a great contract. Someone's yeah, ten million plus a twelve million dollar option, I believe. So it's a cheap contract there for a guy who probably isn't going to be around the next time the Reds are the powerhouse they're planning to be. And I don't know. I think this move definitely signals, hey, let, let let's the plan for the future. Of the end. Exactly. The beginning of the end, we, we see the writing on the wall with Votto aging and Castellanos opting out and Mustakis on a bad deal. It didn't work what we tried. We're going to have to build, tear it down and try again a different way. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh-huh. Inning five. After conducting an extensive interview process that even involved Ozzie Guillen of the White Sox, that means you have turned over every stone the Padres hired Bob Melvin away from the athletics on a three-year deal to be their next manager. I think we'll start with the uh, Angels guy again on this one. How impactful of a move is this for the Padres? And the reason I'm starting with you, Christian, what does this say about the potential direction for the A's? Um Firstly, I hope this is the end for this athletics core. I hate Matt Olson to my core. I love him, but I hate him. I just need him out of this division. Matt well, Chapman needs to else. go. Mark Canha needs to go. Like They just need to tear down. I am begging everyone. Uh, Billy Bean also has to go. They just need everything new. Uh, I hope <laughs> I hope the Vegas athletics enjoy their time. Uh, for the Padres, this is a really good move for the Padres. Uh, the last time I was on This Week in Baseball, we spoke about Jace Tingler, and we all came to the consensus. You cannot throw your star player under the bus. And he did that last year with the Grand Slam. He was a loser for that. I lost all respect, and I'm sure quite a few in that dugout did, and that clubhouse did. Uh, so just bringing in a new face outside of Jace Tingler, firstly, is great. Bringing in Bob Melvin, who has always had to get people to buy into the analytics with the athletics, because that's all you can do as an athletic manager it's great because the Padres need the, they need those analytics. They need the ships that he can provide. Um, I've always been of the, the mindset that managers don't necessarily, modern day managers don't really do much anymore because your analytical team does all the shifts for you. They do the lineups, they, they set your rotation, your bullpen. They're doing that. Not necessarily the managers. A modern day manager is a bench coach and they use just there to boost the morale for this clubhouse and, no one does that as good as Bob Melvin, except for maybe AJ Hinch. He's the only real manager that matters. I raise you, Tony Larusa, in the White Sox dugout. <laughs> in terms of your statement on the manager does nothing, I will raise you, Tony Larusa. Manager can bear a team. <laughs> nothing positive. Yeah, fair. There, there you go. <laughs> uh, Diego, your thoughts? Uh, yeah. So. Um, as a, as a Giants fan, I hate that move, but as a baseball fan, I love that move. Uh, Bob Melvin, uh, like Christian said, that's that's a fantastic fit for the Padres. They have the pieces. Jay Singler was not the guy. I think we all know that. They knew that. Uh, Bob Melvin, I think, can absolutely be that guy. He is that guy. Like He's going to be able to bring that clubhouse together. He's going to be able to you know, be that modern day manager that gives you just enough to be a fantastic team. 
And as far as the uh, the Padres or no, sorry, the A's go, uh, they they feel very lost in every single aspect of their organization. Like their uh, stadium stuff's kind of starting to find some sort of resolution. Um, I know, uh, like the the Oakland City Council, I think finally approved approved a theoretical ballpark um, not too long ago. I could be wrong about that, but also like I wouldn't be surprised if they just get up and move anyway. Um, it'd be a detriment to the city of Oakland, but alas, what are you going to do when your ball club decides that they hate your city? So um, they 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 have the core now, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's all gone by the start of next season. Like they just seem lost, and I think guys they bring in a guy like Ron Washington. I've heard that name floated around. Um, I think you can definitely get him right back on track. But I wouldn't be surprised if you bring in Washington and then everything still goes off the rails. So I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But I love the move for the Padres and for the betterment of the club because they, they've got a fun bunch and they deserve to be at least a decent team and not the laughing stock of baseball. Ethan. I don't know if you're going to believe me or not, but I put at the beginning of my notes here how much I really wanted them to actually hire Ozzie Guillen. I think that would have been fascinating. <laughs> I think the the whole dynamic of having him there with Tet, with Tatis and Machado, I think that would have been amazing. Um, I don't think it could possibly have gone worse than his tenure with the Marlins, but it definitely would have been some. It definitely would have been entertainment, nonetheless. The bar's um, on the floor. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it might be lower than that, actually. <laughs> um, but. Um, in terms of Bob Melvin, yeah, clean sweep. I think this was a slam dunk for them. Um, he's a three-time manager of the year. He's been in the playoffs seven times. Six of those were in Oakland, which is usually in a pretty competitive AL West. Um, the Padres, like they all mentioned, they still have a really talented roster. And I think just the pressure of you know keeping all that intact, of managing all that in a really competitive division just was too much for Jace Tingler. And like Christian said, I think he lost the respect of the guys in the clubhouse also. Um, so I think Bob Melvin, I think that's perfect, perfect fit for them. And the A's, I, I, yeah, I agree. It's looking pretty bleak out there. Um, I think it's going to be a similar situation to what we uh, just alluded to with the Reds, but probably worse, um, especially since they are looking for a new manager. Um, I think they're, this whoever whoever they bring in is going to end up wanting to do things his own way, and they're going to tailor to that, and that's going to lead to a lot of turnover on that roster. Um, I've seen a lot of speculation with Olsen and Chapman and Sean Manaya and Frankie Montas that, like, at least three of them are probably going to be gone, and that's on top oh, yes. of them, <laughs> and that <laughs> that's on top of them losing uh, Mark Cannon and Starling Marte to free agency also. So that's already two big pieces out, and there's probably three more who are out the door also. So I think it's going to be a rough offseason in Oakland also. Christian smells blood in the water in the AL West right now. <laughs> As I he should, honestly. Every year. <laughs> <laughs> but this year's different, right? This year's I different. I also say that to myself every year. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry. It's, it's, it's true this time. Don't worry. If, to be fair, you've got at least two rebuilding teams right now 
and yeah. you've positioned yourself at least decently. So yeah, that's again all, what I tell myself every year. We have two <laughs> top teams, Angels being assholes, two shitty teams, and we shouldn't we be at the bottom, right? <laughs> yeah, Texas is going to be at the bottom. Um, I was looking at Seattle's rotation today. Flexen's not going to be all that good this season. He had a low K per nine, high left on base percentage. His peripherals weren't that good. Uh, Marco Gonzalez did not look good in Seattle. There was a whole lot of pieces in that rotation that just did not look good. So I'm not too worried about Seattle. Plus, you can't have that historic of a bullpen in back-to-back seasons. It just don't happen. The Astros are really good still. They're going to lose Carlos Correa this offseason, and it is totally okay. They will replace him with ease. That rotation is stupid talented. Even though they're losing Granky and Verlander, they didn't really matter because these guys – there's a new part of um, analytics because uh, we've been focusing so heavily on K percentage – but the Astros are doing something really good, really special with uh, soft contact and ground balls. Uh, like Dallas Keuchel, you know, I, I always slandered him, but they had a real thing there. And Framber Maldez, Christian Javier, uh, Kiri, they're all doing it, inducing a lot of weak contact, getting 45 to higher percent ground balls and still keeping up the K percentage. The Astros are still good. And then, yeah, us. Who knows? <laughs> You never know. You will Always be an adventure. Well, that's Probably. the hope. What a fantastic transition, Diego. You can tell you've been doing these as a host a little bit. Hopefully we're talking baseball and playing baseball because we should probably talk about the potential lockout coming December 1st. Um, as Diego alluded to, there will eventually be a new collective bargaining agreement. There will be a 2022 season. We don't know when it'll come. We're hoping it starts on time and it won't be an issue. That being said, that's not a given, clearly. Let's start with Ethan. How do you think the looming uh, end of the CBA will affect the offseason? And what do you think will be the biggest change that comes to the game starting in 2022? Yeah, I think the uh, the biggest effect on the offseason is going to be inevitably when there is a lockout and the rosters freeze um, that's definitely going to slow things down a bunch. And not only will teams just not be able to do anything, but depending on, you know, what new changes are implemented in the CBA, that's going to impact how teams want to construct their rosters. Um, I know we talked about the starting pitcher stuff earlier. If there are changes there that will impact how people, you know, approach, you know, spending millions and millions of dollars on the big name starting pitchers, universal DH obviously will impact players' markets, you know, significantly. Um, so I think that's going to be the biggest impact on the off season. Um, the changes I foresee making a big impact next year. Um, I think we might end up seeing the salary floor. I know people have mentioned like a hundred million dollar payroll minimum. Um, that would definitely do wonders for my team. So. Um, there'll be a lot of moves to make there. We're, I think, in the low 40s right now. So there's a lot of work to be done nice. if that ends up happening. Um, and Dallas Keuchel to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Let's go. He's Get immediately the ace. Immediately the ace. I, I'm not going to fight it at all. Um, I, I think with that would come the um, an increased minimum player salary. I think that would just go hand-in-hand hand with that also. Um, changes in service time rules, I think, also – is a big one Uh that's going to end up being Mm -hmm. implemented, you know, preventing service time manipulation. The players clock starts sooner. They reach free agency sooner. 
Um, that's definitely a big one that I think is on the way. And also the universal DH, I think, is pretty much inevitable at this point. Christian, your thoughts? Um, yeah, pretty pretty much aligned with them. Um, I I don't know if the I don't know if there's really going to be a lockout this season. I, we've always been talking about it, um, but I think owners are scared of losing money right now. And uh, when, the last time we had a real major lockout, you know, '94. What did it take? It took a whole steroid era resurgence to save baseball. Baseball's losing viewership this season, last season, and the season prior were all the worst in World Series ratings. Um, so I think they're going to be really hesitant to truly have a lockout. Um, owners are just going to have to like sack it up a little bit. Uh, big changes. Um, so the universal DH is inevitable. We all know that it's been kind of accepted now. Uh, 2020 uh, really helped, I think, with a lot of NL fans just getting used to it. So that's going to be one change. Pitch clocks are another change. Uh, they tested pitch clocks out the last couple of years for 15 seconds. They cut down the runtime of baseball games by 21 minutes. Good lord. And that's minutes. like huge. It's 21 minutes. It, yeah, it is mind blowing. I'm surprised it wasn't implemented the moment Manfred saw those numbers. Um, and then we <laughs> spoke about the, uh, the payroll situation and whatnot. And uh, I've seen uh, 100 million being thrown around a lot. And, and um, if this was 20. Really, really work. Uh, now the total uh, in twenty twenty one by spec was one hundred thirty million, and uh, the top eighteen teams all above it. There's uh, six teams here that would only have to spend five million, and like there's very few who are actually having to make significant increases. So I think it would have to go up even higher than that. But um, that's one I do not believe is going to be coming. Uh, I think owners are just too scared of losing money. And that's uh, a surefire way to lose money is having that. Especially with the proposals they had where they were trying to tax the top teams. That's no chance in hell that happens. Um, if I had any like hope or change, I want luxury tax firstly eliminated. Um, penalties should be way less harsh. You should not be penalized for wanting to spend money on this sport because spending money is spending money. I mean, you should be you should be awarded for spending money, and it's just, it just makes no sense to me. I can't wrap my head around it. Why teams get penalized? Uh, we talk about the markets or whatever. The worst team, the Royals. Okay, the Kansas City Royals, who like I despise. No one watches their games. No one goes to their games. They suck. They got sold for over a billion dollars. The Royals, over a billion dollars. There's money everywhere here. Um, um, yeah. Royals. Royals. Man, the Royals. 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 I feel like that's every person's reaction to talking about the Royals. The Royals. Oh, Yeah, I did I did not know that it made such an impact. That's really yeah. interesting. Diego, bring us home here. Yeah. Um, also, like, pitch clocks. Like, I didn't know they were that significant either. I would love to see that implemented because, I mean, pace of play has been Manfred's biggest issue. And granted, it is kind of, you know, becoming a bit more of a problem with long games and people losing interest because of the runtime of games. So a pitch, a pitch clock something that you can implement that doesn't really have any effect on the actual game itself. Like, I know there's been talking about, like, 
moving back the mound and stuff like that. Like that's a significant change to the game. A pitch clock isn't. So I think that would be fantastic to see um, in the new CBA. Like these two said, the universal DH is inevitable. Um, I think NL fans have uh, really warmed up to the idea. I personally have for the longest time. Uh, like when I was younger, I'm like, I like, I like the idea of, you know, having the pinch hitters and all that. Cause it's kind of fun, but also at the same time, I, I'm not anti DA universal DH. I want to make that clear. I want to make that absolutely clear. As but, you um, should, cause you're, you're getting yes. close to winning and I, I hate to watch you lose <laughs> yeah. on a statement like that. I'm not Matthew Penn or Carson. <laughs> okay. Never compare me to that. But I'm not anti – I want the universal DH, but I have enjoyed the time without it. Like, because, you know, it's it's been cool to watch, especially this past season, especially the Giants were able to do with pinch hitters and home runs. I just thought it was cool. It was neat. So, but universal DH absolutely should be implemented. I think we see it as we should. Um, I think service time manipulation should come up. Um, and I think it's – something that players are going to really, really push for if the um, the owners of these teams are going to push for their agenda uh, of, you know, just wanting as much money as possible, the um, players should at least get that back. Um, the spending floor is something I personally think we sh- I would want to see. I'm not sure we actually get it, but I would love to see that just because it makes teams, you know, more competitive. Tanking is not fun. Um you can still tank with a spending floor, but you can be more entertaining while doing it. Instead of having 110 lost teams, we'll have like 95 lost teams. I don't know if that's, that has no backing to it, but like numbers. But um, nah. it's something nah. <laughs> Something I personally would love to see is um, a better treatment of minor leaguers and somehow incorporated into the collecting bar- collective bargaining agreement. I'm not quite sure how they would do it, but personally, I, I think it's an important thing to have. Um, it's a huge issue, and minor leaguers deserve to be paid more than literally $2 an hour. So uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. as far as the lockout goes, I think we do get one, but it's extremely brief. I think it's no more than a month long, mostly because what Christian said, managers don't want to lose money. So I think that's where it really comes down to. They're not managers. Teams don't want to lose money because they're greedy. Yeah. All the people at the top of the greenie owners are awful, and that's all they want. Um, but, yeah, I think it's a very, very brief, and it's just so uh, the Players Association can really make their point. Like, we're not afraid to lock out and not do this, but and then um, the owners will the, – they'll cave because they are greedy billionaires who just want money. I like the yeah. optimistic uh, – To add on to the um... – <laughs> to add on with uh, Diego's minor league point, they were they they showed out with that um the minor leaguers are going to get housing now, and that's yes, all they're going to try to do. Fantastic! It is fantastic. It's been asked for for like ten years now, and it took multiple Angels uh, minor leaguers who have been starving in their cars to complain and yep. finally get their word out. Um, I like I respect every minor leaguer who's finally speaking out about this because it is an injustice. I I don't see MLB doing crap about it. This this uh, CBA because probably not. They have I'd their little shining moment that. with the housing. That's mm. all they're gonna do. They're still fighting with the government to continue to pay them below minimum wage. Shout out um, the Twitter account. I think it's Advocates for Minor Leaguers. I think that's the name yes. of the account. They are very yeah. good. They're good. Should follow. They promote the hell out of um, 
you know, getting minor leaguers any sort of livable conditions, wages, all that. The housing thing was a big step in the right direction, but it should far be far from the only step. Uh-huh. As we head into our final question, since it's a prediction, there won't be any points. I do want to point out how nice I was this evening. Diego got exactly 28 points and won uh, on the day he found out Buster Posey retired. I'm God. such a kind soul. You know, don't oh, tell me I'm a- not a nice person. I just want that to be abundantly clear. <laughs> Bank 28. It's it's written on the whiteboard behind you. You just can't see it because I used an orange marker and didn't fill it in like an idiot. Yeah, that probably wasn't the brightest move if you were trying to make a statement. But hey, yeah, it's, we live and we learn. Black <laughs> it's fine. Anywho, yes, Christian, that is true. He only won because... Eric Christian slandered the White Sox and lost four. Yeah, I know how to play the game. <laughs> I'm a veteran at this point. I went. I will slander is... the White Sox at every opportunity. They deserve. That's it. fair. And you will lose fair. every single time. It is okay. <laughs> I respect the hell of that. I do respect it. I I, I do trust it. Let's jump into our final question. It is, that is okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine with me. You know. Let's jump into some po- uh, I said postseason again. Off-season predictions. We've already discussed it's upon us. It is time to start thinking about where some of the big names will go. I want everyone to predict where the big where these following big name free agents wind up. Obviously, these aren't the only ones, but these are the five I have chosen. Carlos Correa, Corey Seager, Trevor Story, Marcus Semien, Chris Bryant. We'll start with the one who has one of the players involved because he was is now an ex-giant, or potentially an ex-giant. Who knows? Diego, your thoughts on those five free agent predictions? Uh, yeah, I'll go top to bottom there, starting with Carlos Correa. Um, hashtag Correa to Comerica. Get Carlos Correa to okay. Detroit. Um, I think I'm regretting giving you that win. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, but um, I mean. The, the Tigers are headed in the right direction. They look like they're finally willing to spend money, and Carlos Correa would be a fantastic fit there. Uh, I just think it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, I just a lot of a lot of people have um, been connecting Correa to Detroit, and I think he would be a great great fit. If anything, if it's not Detroit, I think he stays in Houston. Um, but I don't think he stays in Houston, so I think he's going to Detroit. Um, moving on to Corey Seager. I have Corey Seager replacing Correa in Houston. Yeah. Uh, mm. I originally had thought, um, I, in my head, I'm like, you know, Seager to the Mariners uh, because, you know, Kyle just left there, but then that relationship kind of soured kind of quickly. Um, so I'm like, maybe not. Uh, but if Correa does, in fact, move on, um, there's nothing saying that. Houston won't just scoop up another shortstop. So I like Seager to Houston um, if, in fact, Correa does move. Like, I think he will. Uh, next, Trevor Story. I think the Yankees deserve nothing, but I think they will get Trevor Story. Uh, he's been linked there a little bit. Uh, he doesn't have very good facial hair, so that's okay. Uh, that'll work for him. Uh, I think it's something that they'll kind of want. Like, it's, he's been linked there. I think it will be a decent fit, but the Yankees deserve nothing. So it's okay if they don't get him to. Marcus Simeon. I have Marcus Simeon to the Giants. 
he wants to go West Coast. The Giants are kind of lost at second base. Um, sign him, and he was already in Oakland for all those years. He enjoyed his time there. Uh, to bring him to San Francisco, I think it would put a big, big improvement in our lineup. Would give us that star that we're really missing. Uh, and yeah, uh, Simeon to San Francisco and Chris Bryant. Um, I actually do not have Chris Bryant staying in San Francisco like many other outlets do. I have him shooting up north to Seattle just because I think he wants to stay on the West Coast. Uh, the Mariners are kind of in a win now mode. Uh, if he doesn't come back to San Francisco, which a lot of players, a lot of not players, people link him to, um, I the Mariners are a fun, a good, a good fit. And uh, most surprising free agent signing uh, just kind of came out today that he is now a free agent, uh, former Mariner, um, Kikuchi to the Giants. I love the idea of having him in San Francisco. Uh, a lot of people say he wouldn't be surprised if he leaves the MLB entirely, which I wouldn't be too surprised at either. But I think he'd be a fit in San Francisco, especially since we're losing our entire rotation besides Logan Love. So, uh, Kikuchi to San Francisco. Book it. That's my surprising take. I don't know if that's surprising, but that's what I like. Christian, your thoughts? Um, I like it. I was talking to uh, Nick Tucker, uh, and he also was considering Chris Bryant to Seattle, so I was uh, bummed that you chose that because that, that was thinking about that. <laughs> that <was. laughs> yeah, and uh, also, I think you're heavily slandering Trevor Story's facial hair here. It is really defined. He just keeps it nice and green. Is it? I feel like every time I've seen him. Let me, hold on, sorry. I might have, I might have um, I feel like every time the Giants play him, he's just clean-shaven, so... Yeah, no. When, when he, he gets his beard, he gets rather defined. Uh, Carlos Correa, I do have to agree. Uh, Detroit Tigers seems like the most likely option. They have so much money to spend, arguably too much money to spend. The AJ Hinch connection is real. And, I mean, it, it just makes the perfect sense. The most Nothing else in this offseason makes more sense than that. Uh, Corey Seager, I, I also thought about Seattle for a little bit, um, but then Jerry DePoto, being the loser that he is, the scum of the earth that he is, uh, ruined another relationship. Really oh, he's a loser. I hate him. <laughs> he shouldn't be in baseball. Uh, he firstly, he ruined and soured a relationship with Felix Hernandez, uh, Mariners legend, you know, and then he did the same thing with uh, Kyle Seager, another franchise legend. Uh, so I don't, I don't see uh, Corey Seager going there. I do I don't, I don't like the Astros one. I think they're just going to replace them with whoever, and it'll be fine. Um, I always thought about the Braves, the Braves, but the the Phillies as well. Somewhere East Coast is where I like to see Corey Seager. The Phillies might be the best for him. Trevor Story. Uh, I thought about the Yankees a lot too. I think um, honestly, Anaheim is a perfect ideal spot for him. We are in desperate need of defense with a good bat. I think he's going to be the cheapest of these shortstops. Seaman's not the shortstop, but I think of the shortstops, um, Story's going to be the cheapest one, and he's young, and we really do need that. We like It'll be perfect for Anaheim. Marcus Simeon, I had going back to the Blue Jays, but, but I've been kind of hesitant on that. I think um, uh, just a wild card there is the St. Louis Cardinals can really use Marcus Simeon. they aren't that good offensively. Uh, their defense is good. Uh, they lost Colton Wong. I think Marcus Simeon would be perfect for St. Louis. I just don't think his bat's going to stay the same. And as 
Diego said, Chris Bryant, uh, Seattle was a really, really interesting thought. I don't know if uh, I would. I would imagine San Francisco like tries their best to resign him. It seemed like it was match made in heaven at the deadline, but then he kind of uh, didn't perform the best. But I still see him going back to San Francisco. Um, a signing that just a like, big shocker is the Angels signing any pitcher to a multi-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> we have to sign. Just one. Just it doesn't do it. matter who. Like John Gray for three years, I will be crying of tears of joy. Like we <laughs> have not signed Alex. It does not matter. We have not signed a free agent MLB pitcher since CJ Wilson to a multi-year contract. CJ Wilson, we signed the same season. We signed Albert Pujols. Oh, it's yeah. been a minute. Uh, so I could easily see us getting um, Max Scherzer firstly because he's either going to be a Dodger or an Angel. So I think that's um, if he's an Angel, that's the biggest shocker. Uh, and then John Gray as an angel is uh, another shock for us, simply because we don't sign pitches to multi-year contracts. Uh, Ethan, quick before, I'll go real ahead. Quick, real quick, Trevor Story's facial hair is not that good. It's like fine. No, it, it's defined, oh, is, it's good, it's filled. It's, I, it's, I thought it's we like, were slandering it, you know? It's fine. It's, yeah, no, he looks good with the beard, but it's just not – it's forgettable. That's why I didn't even realize. He has a blonde beard, and if you have blonde hair, it's kind of forgettable as it is. That's fair. With. If it was uh, a dark colored facial hair, if, if you, you're making me think it was like a lot fuller than it's a little like it's a little patchy. It is well defined lot. though. I agree. It, it is, is well, well defined. defined. Like is the lines well are defined. Everything it looks good. It's very it looks, clean. It looks line. rather cute line. with it. That's fair. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But like also, it you might, he'd be fine without it. So he's a top ten cute player of the league. You know? I'll agree with that. Uh, top fifteen out of ten. No, no, you're probably right. I'm right. fairly confident with top. I like that top ten. Yeah, top ten's a good pick. Yeah, you're yeah. wrong. I think if he grew out his hair, it'd be, it'd yeah. as long as we're all in agreement, Max Stassi is the hottest player in baseball. It's it's okay. <laughs> no one disagree. Yeah, let me look. I might have some bias towards Cole Tucker. <laughs> Cole Tucker, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's Cole fair. Tucker is a handsome man. Cole Tucker's yeah, winning his life. So yeah. if you can catch Brian, uh, Vanessa Hudgens' eye mm-hmm. while being horrible at baseball, I got to yep. give respect to Cole Tucker. That's yep. true. Shout Cole out Cole Tucker. Tucker. is winning in life. Cole yeah. Tucker, if you want to shout out Diamond Dice at all, please do. We respect <laughs> the hell out of you, man. <laughs> shout out Cole Tucker, for real. Shout out Cole Tucker. Oh, Cole Tucker, hit us up. You want to be on This Week in Baseball? <laughs> <laughs> hey, <stop>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Ethan, give us your predictions. All right, so you'll notice that both of these two um, assigned one of these players to their own teams. I do not have that luxury, so <laughs> I'm just gonna. Get, just I'm, yeah, I'm just gonna get that out of the way real quick. Um, Correa, I already said I think he's going to Detroit. I just think it makes all the sense in the world, um, even with like the connection to AJ Hinch. It makes too much sense. Um, he's gonna be Yvonne Rodriguez 2.0 when they signed him, what, 2004, 2005, after they sucked a bunch and then went to the World Series right after. I just think, Stop. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> what no, you're not. Like, what what it just makes that? too much sense. No, you're I not. know, but we don't got to say it. See, Laz is uh, crying here because he does not have a good shortstop and he really needs a good shortstop. You know what? You already <laughs> lost the game. <laughs> I have I mean, no. I, I have the angels throwing out there right now. I I, I will <laughs> yeah, say this. We I have. Also I, 
I, I also have long, not to cut you off, Ethan. I have long accepted Korea to Detroit. I since yeah. about mm-hmm. May, honestly. Korea to Comerica, mm-hmm. get it trending. Shout out, Scott. No, we don't <laughs> need to go that far. Like just a, a, a silent acceptance is fine. But please, <laughs> Ethan, continue. <laughs> All right, Corey Seager. I have him going to the Yankees. Um, I don't think they necessarily need a shortstop, but they obviously have the money to do it, so they're going to do it. And the facial hair is much less of an issue there than it is with Trevor Story. Very <laughs> um, true. Trevor Story, I don't like this at all, but I think he winds up in St. Louis. I think that Nolan Arenado is going to uh, give a good word to the front office, and he's going to end up mm. with his old pal in St. Louis. I hope to God that does not happen, but I think that makes a lot of sense too. It hurts um, me how much they make sense. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it at all. Marcus Semien, I also have him going back to Toronto. Um, he just made such a huge impact there. Um, one of the best offensive seasons ever for a second baseman. I think they're going to give him a ton of money to go back there. Um, Chris Bryant, this one's a little bit of a wild card. I said Houston for Chris Bryant. And I, I, don't think, I don't think he exactly would have a defined position there. Obviously, he could – uh, jump all around the outfield. He could play first base. I think maybe they would periodically move Bregman to short. I was just about to say, to what if they did that? Brian at third. I don't think that is an awful idea. Um, <clears throat> and they obviously have a ton of money coming off the books with Correa and Verlander and Granky, so they have the money to spend. So I don't think that would be an awful move for them either. And my big surprise for free agency. Um, in an attempt to mimic the Braves just starting from scratch with their outfield, I think we will see all three of Kyle Schwarber, Starling Marte, and Nick Castellanos go to Miami. Wow. Oh. That would be fun. I like that. I like that a lot, actually. That would be fun. One of the Marlins outfielders is bound to be Brandon Marsh or Joe Adele. Um, we had those talks <laughs> in the deadline mm-hmm. where they're they're already back now from the courts. Uh, so that's unfortunate. I'm going to be sad to see one of them go. I'd like to see what Miami ends up doing this offseason, to be honest. They have a really big offseason. Them and Detroit. I think, yeah, I think, yeah. Between it's going to be a fun offseason, I think. Yeah. And okay. if we can get some <clears throat> fun moves in there and things actually develop, it'll be a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think Miami's got a huge offseason. It's time to make a move. I think Detroit's the same way. I think I, I'm pretty sure Al Avila even said it today. We're planning to compete. So I, I, I hope that comes at the expense of the White Sox also deciding to spend a little bit of money. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I have a I, yeah, let's just me. chuckle. Okay. Funny. Um, <laughs> I was looking for my Marlins. So. It was a good joke, I got to say. <laughs> Anywho. Um, but yeah, it, it should be a very exciting offseason. A lot of fun, big names, and it we might get obviously a few more wrinkles thrown in with qualifying offers and stuff like that. But I don't know. It, it could be a very, very fun offseason, pending how the CBA goes. Um, yeah, I think that unfortunately will that that'll kind of sour things for a little bit. But at the same time, I think. There's enough here to make for a really fun off season. Just uh-huh. might really depend on when that starts. Um, it is a shame, but the greatest free agent class of shortstops ever is uh, coinciding with the next lockout in baseball. <clears throat> but hopefully, we never get there. Hopefully, 
it's all rainbows and butterflies over the next 20 something days. And, uh, we, we get no lockout. We get a new CBA and all is right in the world, but that's definitely what that, MLB is known for. Just rainbows yeah, and butterflies. You know? Very easy stuff. But <laughs> I mean, we wrapped up 26 episodes. We did this for half of the year in terms of recast. And we skipped some weeks in there. Um, yeah. That is going to do it for us as we come home and probably throughout the off season, we'll do periodic a couple stuff. Podcasts. Yeah. A couple of yeah. podcasts as information comes down. I unfortunately don't think it'll be coming in on a weekly basis, but we'll, mm. at some point we'll this have some fun things baseball. to talk about. <laughs> this, <laughs> this event in baseball. <laughs> but first of all, and I, I want to thank everyone who has appeared on these podcasts throughout the year as analyst Diego has stepped up dramatically uh, filling in. It feels like at least half these episodes for me. Um, um, I think I did five, six. Okay, yeah, so maybe not that half, but you still did quite a few. I, I first and foremost want to thank you and everyone else who makes these podcasts possible. But also, w- without listeners, uh, we'd be just screaming into the void of whatever social media we put this on. So I also want to take the time to thank everyone who listens and follows along throughout the year. Uh, we're certainly not going anywhere, even as the podcast takes a little bit of a hiatus. Make sure to follow our page at Diamond Di- underscore Digest, excuse me, on Twitter, Diamond.Digest on Instagram, and the website is Diamond.Digest.com. We'll have plenty of off-season stuff coming in. We have a fabulous team for all 30 teams, or fabulous team of writers for all 30 teams, and we're really looking forward to what this off-season brings. Plenty of things to talk about. Make sure to follow along with us. We will be following along with the off-season, and hopefully we'll have a lot of fun things to talk about. So... That's going to put an end to season two of This Week in Baseball, presented by Diamond Digest. For Diego Franco Carino, Ethan Fisher, and that man I love to hate, the Angels fan, Christian Lloyd. <laughs> this is Jordan Lazowski signing off. Take care, everyone. Hopefully you have a great offseason and your team signs all the free agents you want them to. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Max Jesse, better than me as Monty Grindel. You know what? Way to end here.